0: Dr. Jason Lancaster.
1: As we launch into a new year, we're going to be studying something called the Fruit of the Spirit. And to start off this study, I have put a prayer inside your bulletin. You can get that out if you'd like. We're going to be um, hopefully praying this prayer throughout the series. It's a prayer prayed by a great man of God named John Stott. He used to pray this prayer every day and as we begin let's look and listen to this prayer heavenly father i pray that this day i may live in your presence and please you more and more lord jesus i pray that this day i may take up my cross and follow you holy spirit i pray that this day you will fill me with yourself
0: and cause your fruit to ripen in my life love joy peace, patience, kindness, goodness,
1: faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. It's a prayer we want to pray on a daily basis for God to make the fruit of the Spirit ripen in our lives. And may God do that work in us over the next several weeks. Let's go ahead and look again at the book of Galatians. The fruit of the Spirit comes from the book of Galatians. We spent all fall going through Galatians, and we pick it up today in Galatians 5, 16 through 26. Throughout Galatians, Paul is trying to correct the false teaching that insists on the mandatory observance of the Old Testament law in areas of circumcision and observing of certain days. As you may remember, Paul pushes back strongly and argued that Jesus plus anything equals nothing. Salvation is by grace alone, through faith alone, in the finished work of Christ alone. Jesus plus nothing equals everything. Paul argues that those who put their faith in Christ for salvation alone are no longer under the law, but are now led by the Holy Spirit. This doesn't mean that we toss out the commands of God. It doesn't mean that we no longer have to obey God and His Word, but it means now that Christians can walk by the Spirit and can be led by the Spirit in obedience to God. And if you remember from this past fall, we skipped over this section in Galatians 5 in order to drill down over the next several weeks on the fruit of the Spirit as it is produced in our lives as we walk by the Spirit. Today we're going to look at three in-depth perspectives of walking by the Spirit. Historical perspective, internal perspective, and practical perspective. And I can't overstate the necessity of walking by the Spirit. Let let me stir you up with something I heard this past week, which may be familiar because a lot of you recently have probably watched a lot of football. Maybe too much. Over the break, there was a lot of bowl games, and the championship college game is tomorrow night. NFL playoffs started yesterday, again today, so there's a lot of football going on. Imagine your favorite team, I don't know what team that is, but imagine your favorite team running out on the field and they are pumped up. They're hiving, fiving each other, slapping each other on the helmets. They're so excited to be playing football. And the game begins and the offense is out there. They're, they're in the huddle and they're just riled up, pushing each other, getting pumped up to go and, and just play football. And the quarterback, he calls the play. Everybody in the huddle says, break. And they run and go and sit on the sidelines. They sit there for a little bit and they're like, all right, let's go out again. They go out and they're pumped, they're screaming, they're yelling, they're slapping each other in the head and the quarterback calls the play again and they go back and sit on the sidelines. They never run the play. I would hate for that to be the case of us in our church where we get together and we get all pumped up, we start singing We shake hands, I preach the word, and when it's all over, we go back and sit on the sidelines. And we never run the play. And we do whatever we do all week, and then we come back next week, we're ready to sing again, we're ready to shake hands again, we're ready to hear God's word again, and then we go back and sit on the sidelines. I would hate for that to happen to us. Because the Bible tells us we have the Holy Spirit of God living inside of us who wants to empower us to obey his word and to produce the fruit of the Spirit and to live for his glory. And you know what? If you are not running the play, you're never putting yourself at an opportunity for the Holy Spirit to use you. Because the Holy Spirit uses those who step out by faith and run the play. Let me encourage you this morning, as we lay this foundation for this fruit of the Spirit, get ready to obey, to run the play. Let's start first with this historical perspective. And I'm going to call it, Goodbye Egypt, Hello Promised Land. Look at Galatians chapter 5, starting in verse 16. But I say, walk by the Spirit. Jump down to verse 18. But if you are led by the Spirit. Why this terminology of walking and being led? Did Paul just pull that out of the thin air and go, walk, be led? Many scholars think what Paul is doing here is that he is using Old Testament imagery to explain being led by the Spirit. In the Old Testament, Israel was in slavery, as you may remember, in Egypt for many years. And Paul uses similar language here in Galatians to talk about how we were once enslaved under the law before Christ. A little review Galatians 3 23. But before faith came, we were kept in custody under the law, being shut up to the faith that was later to be revealed. And just like the Israelites were in bondage, right, in Egypt, and they were, they were led to freedom under the leadership of Moses, so we were in bondage to sin, and we have one greater than Moses who has led us out of the slavery of sin. And that's where we all say amen. And so amen. So far, so good. Now take it even deeper. Once we were redeemed from the law, we were given a gift, not only of salvation, not only of adoption, not only of justification, but we're also given the gift of the Holy Spirit. Galatians 3, chapter 13 and 14 says, Christ redeemed us from the curse of the law, having become a curse for us, for it is written, Cursed is everyone who hangs on a tree, in order that in Christ Jesus, the blessing of Abraham, Abraham, might come to the Gentiles so that we would receive the promise of the Spirit through faith. Through Christ's death, we get, through faith, forgiveness of sins, and we receive the presence of God, the Holy Spirit. I want to make sure you get this. The Spirit of the living God is living inside of you. The Third person of the Trinity has taken up residence inside of you, empowering you to live for the glory of Jesus. You may not know this, but your enemy even knows this because Satan is not scared of you. He is scared of the one inside of you. The question we are asking is if the Spirit of God lives in us, then how are we to understand when it says walk by the Spirit? Do not leave out the Old Testament. There is a connection to the Old Testament because what we have is this perspective is that when the Israelites left Egypt and headed to the Promised Land, did you know the Bible tells us that they were led by the Spirit of God? (laughs) How about that? The Holy Spirit's in the Old Testament you should read it sometime. It's amazing. The Holy Spirit was leading him in the Old Testament. You don't believe me? Let me give you some passages. Let's start with Nehemiah 9, 19 to 20. I'll put it up for you. Reflecting back, it says, you and your great mercies did not forsake them in the wilderness. The pillar of cloud to lead them in the way did not depart from them by day. Or were the pillar of fire by night to light for them the way by which they should go. And here it is. You gave your good spirit to instruct them and did not withhold your manna from their mouth and gave them water for their thirst. So God's leading them by his spirit in the wilderness. And I want to give you one last passage. It's quite long. I'll put it up for you. Isaiah 63, 11 through 14. This is really good. Then he remembered the days of old of Moses and his people. Where is he who brought them up out of the sea with the shepherds of his flock? Where is he who put in the midst of them his Holy Spirit, who caused his glorious arm to go at the right hand of Moses, who divided the waters before them to make for himself an everlasting name, who led them through the depths? Like a horse in the desert, they did not stumble. Like livestock that go down into the valley, the Spirit of the Lord gave them rest. So you led your people to make for yourself a glorious name. The historical perspective is God's Spirit leading His people out of Egypt into the promised land. And God's people followed the Spirit's leading. It was a great depiction. Some may even call it a foreshadowing of what was to come of Jesus Christ breaking us out from the bondage of sin, filling us with the Holy Spirit of God, and now we are led by the Spirit as well. And now we walk by the Spirit as we are headed to the promised land of our heavenly home. This means we are never to return to our past goodbye Egypt but press on toward heaven hello promised land do you understand that no matter how strong the pull of the temptation is in your life to return to your past you can consistently say bye Egypt No matter what bondage, maybe it's sexual morality like my past, I cannot say, well, I'm doomed to repeat my past. No, by Egypt, whatever addiction may be in your life, whether it's drugs or alcohol, you don't have to go back. By Egypt, whether it's anger or greed, no, by Egypt, I'm not going back. I'm now free through Christ, and I'm being led by the Spirit of God toward the promised land of heaven. I don't have to go back, and neither do you. That is a historical perspective. Understand, Paul is tying stuff in to the Old Testament. And the same spirit who led them in the desert leads us today. And now we move to the internal perspective, which I'm calling the World War Z within. There was once a a movie based off a book called World War Z. I don't know if you read the book or saw the movie. The Z stands for zombies, which is the living dead walking around. Now, just in case you want to know, zombies are not real, all right? Just want to clear that up real quick. But the plot of this book has to do with the war between the living and the living dead zombies, hence the World War Z. And in a sense, every Christian has a World War Z going on within them. Stay with me. I am about to explain zombie theology. Let's let's look at the text again. Galatians 5, verse 16. But I say, walk by the Spirit, and you will not carry out the desire of the flesh. For the flesh sets its desire against the Spirit... And the spirit against the flesh, for these are in opposition to one another, so that you may not do the things that you please. Skip to verse 24. Now, those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. Your old self, along with its passions and desires, have been killed. Your flesh, which is your sinful desires and passions, have been crucified with Christ. That means that your old sinful way of living no longer has to dominate you because your old self has been killed on the cross. Romans chapter 6, verse 6. Knowing this, that our old self was crucified with Him in order that our body of sin might be done away with, so that we would no longer be slaves to sin. Yet, your old self acts like a zombie. It's dead, yet it tries to live. And it tries to rule over your life again. And that's why we have this World War Z within. There is this internal war going on with the believer with something that verse 16 calls the desires of the flesh and verse 17 calls the desires of the spirit. So you have the flesh is this old centered me way of living and doing things and the spirit is this new Christ centered way of doing life and that conversion you were given a new heart filled with the spirit and that there's this war going on within you. If you ever think you're going to get to a point where you no longer have to war and fight to walk with Jesus, you're ignoring the reality of the scriptures. Because the scriptures are there's something going on within us that wants to usurp the life of the spirit and dominate and go back to old ways. There's a war within and the Bible uses that terminology. Consider James chapter 4 verse 1 and 2. What is the source of quarrels and conflicts among you? Is it not the source, your pleasures, and look at this, that wage war in your members? You lust and do not have, so you commit murder. You are envious and cannot obtain, so you fight and quarrel. You do not have because you do not ask. Does that describe anybody? When you don't get your way, you want to (laughs) fight. There's this war going on within the believer. But it's it's not something we ultimately want. We ultimately want to follow Jesus. We ultimately want to obey. We ultimately want to be led by the Spirit. This zombie flesh, always trying to make a comeback and trying to enforce its old ways. But the good news for us is that we are now a people who are led by the Spirit, which means that we can obey so you can tell your zombie flesh, you are dead. You have no power over me. You do not have to go back to your old ways. You will not give in. My brothers and sisters, I want to make very clear that you understand me that your temptations do not have to rule over you and they do not have to define you. We all face temptations that are common. You may think that you are special and you are unique and you have some type of temptation that no one else has ever experienced. You're wrong. Because there's this war going on with all of us, and temptations are common. And when the temptations come, you've got to just say, no, that, that's dead. Do not ignore your temptations. I mean, look, if you knew some of the twisted temptations I have, I guarantee you there would be a mob riot and you would drive me out of town. And if I knew some of the temptations you have, some of you would stick in the prayer room and try to cast out demons. Others, we would stick right in the back of that police car. Temptations are a reality in the Christian life as we are at war. But they're common to men and women. And the Bible tells us that we have power to say no, to stand up under these temptations because, get this, God will always provide a way out. Never say that you have to give in to your temptation because God will always provide a way out. The war is not so great that it is going to overtake you because we are people filled with the Spirit and we can walk in the Spirit. So we have the historical perspective, we have the internal perspective, and now the practical perspective, or I'd like to call it no more entertainment farming. I'll explain that in a little bit, but look at some of the works of the flesh starting in verse 19. Now, the deeds of the flesh are evident. Which are immorality, impurity, sensuality, idolatry, sorcery, enmity, strife, jealousy, outbursts of anger, disputes, dissensions, factions, envy, and drunkenness, carousing, and things like these, of which I forewarn you, just as I have forewarned you, that those who practice such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. These are some of the sins that used to dominate our lives in the old days of the flesh. These sins can be categorized in groupings, perhaps four groups. You have the sexual sins, you see them there, of immorality, impurity, sensuality. You have the false religion of idolatry and sorcery. You have the group of sinful attitudes and actions towards others, of jealousy, fits of rage and anger. And you have the category of substance abuse and drunkenness get this, it's not that Christians never fall back into these sins. Sometimes we think that once we get saved, we are never, ever, ever going to sin again. There are times where Christians fall back into these sins. Anybody get angry this last week? But these sins do not characterize your life. You are not habitually embroiled in these sins. If you find that your life was just described by all these sins and it is your habitual pattern of living and you do not care and yet you want to call yourself a Christian, Paul has something to say about that. Look what he says in verse 21. I forewarn you just as I have forewarned you that those who practice such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. So if you're professing to be a Christian and your life is embroiled in these sins and you're habitually living these sins and you want me to give you some assurance that you're saved, I won't do it. And you say, well, are you talking about someone losing their salvation? No! I'm talking about someone never having their salvation. Because a Christian though not perfect, will walk in the Spirit and not the flesh. And instead, we should be people of the Spirit. You see it in verse 22 and 23. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such things there is no law. I've heard it said that this list does not focus on what kind of performance we can achieve but what kind of person we are. It's not about performance, but the kind of person you are. And this fruit is a package deal. The Spirit produces of all these traits to grow in the believer. It's not just the Spirit going, well, you know, I'm going to give you a little bit of love and joy, but I'm not going to give you the rest. No, no. It's a package deal. You see, the Holy Spirit produces all these traits to grow in a believer. Not just one or two. It's not about temperament. It's not about natural abilities, but about all the fruit being grown in the believer by the person of the Holy Spirit. It's about the Holy Spirit's ability, not your ability. It's about the Holy Spirit's ability, not your inability. So you say, I just can't do these things. It's not about you. It's about the Spirit of God living His life through you well how how does that work it's one of full strength and full dependence we know we have left egypt and we have victory over our flesh in christ so we work hard to cultivate this fruit You have a responsibility to love others. You have a responsibility to be patient. You have a responsibility to exhibit self control. But at the same time, you can't pull it off on your own. So you fully depend on the Lord. Full strength, full dependence. You get that? It's about devotion to God it's about waking up every morning and say God I cannot do this I cannot love that person I cannot be patient Lord I feel like I have no self-control God have mercy on me give me your strength full strength full dependence so I'm going to ask you do you see any evidence of the fruit of the spirit in your life Do you see God producing this fruit in you, though it may be slow process, it's slow for all of us, but there's some evidence that you're more loving today than you were five to ten years ago, more patient than you were. There is this growth in the Lord. And that's why all of us, as we're thinking about growing and cultivation and fruit, we need to be careful of something called entertainment farming. Farming. Entertainment farming is also known as agritainment. I don't know if you've ever heard that before, but it's when small farmers turn parts of their farms into entertainment attractions. They create pumpkin patches, corn mazes, pony rides, and bounce houses. And my family loves these places. We used to go to them in California. We went to them in Chicago. We love these places on farms. Now, these these farmers may do a little bit of farming on the side, but they are making their money doing entertainment farming. And if the Christian is not careful, you can take the main thing of bearing fruit and make it a side thing while focusing on entertainment farming, which is really just works of the flesh. You've been called and created in Christ Jesus to bear good fruit and to show good works. But we make our lives all about money, comfort, really overly pumped up about sports or crafts or travel. Then maybe we have shifted from bearing fruit and we're on to this entertainment farming. And if you are not careful, you will view the village as one big entertainment farm. I mean, really, when you moved here, do you think, I cannot wait to go there and bear fruit for the glory of God? (laughs) No, you didn't, right? It's one big entertainment farm. And if we're not careful... We are going to focus on the fun to be had rather than the fruit to bear. Got to be careful. You think it's all about having fun. When God's clear, you are people of the Spirit. You've been called by God to bear fruit for His glory. So your main purpose is to bear fruit for the glory of God. Be careful. Don't make it a side business. It's the main thing. For God to bear fruit in our lives for His glory. So you're here and you're sent out to the world, and the charge is walk by the Spirit. Run the play. We've huddled here on Sunday morning. We sang, we took the Lord's Supper, we prayed, we heard from God's Word. Run the play. Do not just go and sit on the sidelines. I can't wait to go to church next week and do nothing. Run the play. Walk in the Spirit. We are following one who's led us out of Egypt who is greater than Moses, Jesus Christ. Yeah, we struggle. We have this war within, but we have power to say no. My brothers and sisters, you've been called to bear fruit for the glory of God.
0: Run the play.